We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We are joined by a popular and busy woman for this episode. She is a chess photographer, a translator, a journalist, a popular Twitch streamer. Her Twitch channel is called Photo Chess. She is a chess.com employee, a jet setter, joining us from an undisclosed location in Moscow, as we will discuss. Not long before that, she was at the FIDE candidates in Ekaterinburg, which we will discuss. Uh, so, so much to talk about, and I'm excited to welcome her to the show, WFM Maria Emilianova. How are you? Thank you so much, Ben, and I'm so happy and thrilled to be on the show. Thank you for having me. So let's cut to the chase, Maria. How'd I do with your name? Uh, actually, that was as closest as you can get. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, very close. Uh, it's Emilianova, if you're a Russian speaker. 
but uh, Emilianova, whatever works. As long as it's not Mislova Lova, you are correct. <laughs> uh, so basically in 2016, during the match in New York, a Norwegian uh, reporter uh, mispronounced my name so many times that he eventually gave up and just said Mr. Lova Lova. <laughs> uh, apparently he even practiced before their interview and he still could not make it. And he just ended up saying photographer for Sergei Karyakin instead of saying my last name. But I was so nervous during that interview. I did not even realize what happened. But five minutes later, I was like famous in all over Norway. <laughs> they even fun. published it on Facebook and got like 300,000 views instantly and it made it to YouTube and not, until now, a lot of Norwegians, even like random strangers in the street sometimes saying, oh, are you Mr. Lova Lova from the New York match of Karakin <laughs> against Magnus? <laughs> and even Magnus's father calls me Miss Lova Lova and Vishy Ananda does the same. <laughs> That's amazing. I, you know, I knew that you're like on Twitter, for example, you had Miss Lova Lova in your, in your name. So I knew that, but I didn't know the backstory. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> And at least they at least they call you by a name, you know. That's uh shows shows how uh, deeply embedded in the chess world you are. I know that on your Twitch stream, sometimes you'll be interviewing the likes of uh, Vladimir Kramnik. Uh, the undisclosed location where you are, we will now reveal, is actually Jan Napomnici's house. Amazingly enough, in Moscow, he's not home, but I just met his dog um, on Twitch. Um, seems like a nice. <laughs> Nice young pup. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah, pretty busy woman. But, but Maria, I'd like to start with uh, the candidates just because obviously it's like a touchstone in the chess world and you had the unique opportunity to be there. I believe you were primarily translating there. Is that what your work capacity was there, Maria? Oh, well, so according to some people, um, I was doing a job of two and a half people. Uh, so uh, apart from translating, which was not actually in the plan uh, initially, I was a deputy press officer of the organizers, so mainly working with the local press, uh, accreditations, arranging uh, interviews, arranging different uh, uh, meetings at SRA, press conferences. Uh, I also was doing translating at the press conference, which was quite a new opportunity. And the first one I did was actually in Moscow prior to the press conference, uh, prior to the candidates, uh, and met uh, a wonderful person who is uh, the vice president of the Association of uh, uh, Sports Journalists uh, uh, of Europe. So that's uh, pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of new people who were involved in this tournament uh, that I met were really cool. Uh, but also I was doing some photos. I was partly the organizing team. Uh, so yeah, a little bit of everything. Sounds fun though. Uh, yeah, it was a very new opportunity, a very new experience. Uh, somewhat stressful, but uh, of course... Um, I was very happy to have this experience and working along the chess federation of my hometown, because Yekaterinburg is actually my home city. Of course, that was uh, absolutely amazing to, to get this tournament to our city. And it would not have been possible without uh, the help of the main sponsor, the Simaland company. And uh, its president is also a president of the chess federation. And me as a formerly, um, and that's also a long story, but formerly a professional chess player, 
who has retired mainly because our uh, city, our region did not have uh, much of support for young chess players back then in beginning of 2000s. Um, that's why I retired. I simply realized that in order to achieve the, the most, I have to have much more support than I can get here. And there was no other place I could go for chess. So I simply went to Moscow to study. And I never regretted that decision. But I know that uh, if I had been 16 years old now, I would definitely not have retired from chess. And I'm pretty sure I would have reached at least an I am. Uh, with the current support of our uh, chess federation. Yeah, um, I, I mean, first of all, thank you, as you mentioned, for the, the sponsorship. Uh, what was the name of the company again, Maria? It's Simaland. It's basically like uh, like a Russian uh, version of Amazon uh, okay. or Alibaba. I think uh, I think you have Alibaba or AliExpress. Uh, so basically, they mo- mainly work with uh, Chinese uh, companies that uh, produce uh, um, just pretty much everything, and uh, the delivery is super fast. And I, yeah, anyone who lives in Russia, I totally recommend to use their. Um, and it's not sponsored. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but great to have corporate sponsorship of chess. So of course, we want to highlight uh, companies that that do support the chess world. But bringing it back to what you were saying about uh, pursuing chess as as a professional player, first of all, um, totally get what you're saying about how it can be difficult without support, especially as you hit that sort of out of school age, um, which can be critical years. But on the other hand, you're you're blazing a trail as sort of a um, media. Um, jack of all trades that's making a living from chess. And, you know, I think a lot of people looking at you, seeing uh, you travel all over the world, uh, working in these different different capacities, um, would, would be jealous of that just as much as the stressful yet enjoyable idea of competing in chess for a living. Um, but so bringing it back to chess, so you think that now um, in Russia you might have better opportunities? Do you already see uh, an improvement at the grassroots level? Uh, yeah, totally. Of course, uh, the competition in Russia has always been probably the most difficult in chess. Uh, you, With my level of chess now, I am probably number, I don't know, around 5,000 uh, in, in, among Russians. Uh, but uh, since changing my uh, federation to English, uh, I'm like number 10 among women in England. <laughs> so it's, of course, a very big change. But uh, then, of course, becoming the best uh, in Russia would be a, such a huge achievement, uh, which I would never could dream about. But, uh, for example, our um, uh, young rising, rising star, uh, Leia Garifulina from Yekaterinburg, who is now supported by the Federation, uh, was the best among women um, in the World uh, Women Rapid Championship uh, two years ago. And that's that's just the beginning. She's, uh, she's just incredible. And uh, I, I think she can, she can be one of the best uh, female athletes in the world one day. And she also had quite a big or quite a great result uh, in the super final uh, last December. 
So, yeah. so you say 5,000 in Russia, and obviously you're a strong player. Um, so is that 5,000 out of women, Maria? I cannot really say out of the top of my head. And of course, you also have so many inactive players. uh, Right. Yeah. I think I'm among men last time I checked. Okay. Um, And and so is there support for women players in particular in Russia? Again, it's as you say, the, the competition is so strong. And unfortunately, a lot of Russian players don't get as much attention um, here in other parts of the world as as they should. Well, I think it doesn't really, there is no distinction. Um, I think uh, it's just mainly the younger you are, the more attention you get, of course, as, as, a, as a prodigy. Um, but the most important is when you have corporate sponsors interested in supporting the players, because then for them, it doesn't really matter whether you're a boy or a girl as long as they are interested, they will be supporting everyone. And we have uh, a team who has just returned from uh, Sochi uh, Club Championship, Russian Club Championship, where I came from uh, on my way back home, stopping in Moscow. And we had a team called Malachite, um, which Alea was also playing for. Um, so she was part of the men's team. Um, which which is all supported by Simaland and by by the Federation of Sverdlovsk region. Okay, and of course, with your friend Jan Napolnici, obviously slated to play Magnus Carlsen for the World Championship now in uh, in November in Dubai. Do you do you feel like that's going to have a sort of a ripple effect on the uh, chess scene in in Russia? Obviously, he's not the first Russian to play for a World Championship, but still, it's always a uh, always always seems to get attention in in the native country of the challenger yeah of course we were all super thrilled to have him winning the event and especially me as a, as he's my good friend he, and his girlfriend as well um i think that the main change from the previous uh, championships that uh, featured the russian challenger is that now we have much more corporate sponsorship rather than government sponsorship. For example, uh, these candidates were solely funded by by the corporate sponsorships. There was no single penny invested from from the government, which uh, which is huge because, of course, uh, candidates is very expensive tournament to organize, and to have so many companies willing to uh, to support the players uh, is just super awesome. And I think this is. Uh, this is a big turnover for the future of Russian chess, um, setting an example that uh, that the tournament like that can in, in attract a lot of uh, corporate sponsors. Sponsors. Yeah, I don't see why that that wouldn't be viable going forward with the um, continued upswing in popularity in chess um, in Russia and everywhere else in the world. So. As a friend of Jan, I don't know how much a you know and b you can say, Maria, but. Has he gotten, I mean, it, you know, after he won the candidates, it came out that he had this strong team of uh, four grandmasters helping him prepare for the candidates, including uh, Peter Lecou. Um And um, now he's in the world championship. Of course, uh, Karyakin had, had, from what we know, good support. Um, does, does Jan, is he like setting the wheels in motion or does it seem like he's relaxing after this stressful event still? 
Well, of course, he needs to relax. Uh, it's been a really tiring tournament, uh, but he actually had a training session already yesterday uh, for for a long evening with Petr Leko as well, and uh, even today in the morning again. So it's it's both. He's not like fully twenty four seven into chess yet because you you really can burn out this way. But starting from June, it's going to be just a lot of preparation. So it's both. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for the world championship. It should should be an interesting <laughs> interesting matchup. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know if you'll be going? Uh, I certainly hope so. That, that is okay. the plan. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Maria, let's talk a little bit more about the candidates. So, first of all, as you mentioned, Ekaterinburg, where the both the first half, the uh, checkered first half of the tournament, and the second half took place. Um, and I believe you were involved in, in both. And you mentioned it being a bit stressful. Of course, COVID doesn't help with that. And also, it's just uh, the world is watching. So it's a big event anyway. But did you notice a change in, in the mood between the first half of the candidates um, and the second amongst the uh, participants and the staff? Well, I think for the staff, it was um, maybe easier because already... Everything was set up from the first half. The place was the same. The hotel was the same. Everyone knew us. Uh, and of course, uh, as we have so many people already vaccinated, uh, we feel safer, including me. I also had my vaccination done before the tournament. Uh, for the players, it felt like uh, they just cannot wait for it to be over already, finally. Of course, such a long wait, more than a year, and so much preparation. Um, but of course, for half of them, the first uh, tournament already didn't leave much chances to fight for anything. So like they were just kind of apathetic about it. Uh, for the other half, uh, it was stressful because everyone is watching specifically at them. And they it's, it, was, it was the first time that uh, you have a press conference prior to the start of the tournament where you have a leader already. That was pretty pretty new. And uh, I thought that Maxime de dealt with it pretty nicely, saying that, yeah, I have uh, good uh, expectations and I'm planning to win the tournament. But then we saw what happened. Uh, he still finished second. But as Fabiano, for, exa for example, said, uh, anything but first place, it's basically a failure. So... Uh, but Maxim seems to be happy anyway about how the tournament went, about this opportunity. For him, it was not an easy year before that. I'm glad that the tournament has finished, but of course it could have been organized all in at once and be much more about chess than COVID and everything, uh, traveling back and forth. Yeah, yeah, definitely unfortunate. Um, I was, I and guests have said before, um, um, I suspect uh, we all wish we might have done things a little bit differently, but uh, now we have a world championship and I'm excited for those who didn't hear that FIDE has already announced there'll be another candidates tournament um, in 2022. So uh, after this world championship, which again, I'm super excited for, we won't have to wait as long as usual uh, for a follow-up. So, yeah, I'm sure that the new world champion will be very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, we know where your your rooting interests are, Maria. Um, being that you're joining us from uh, Nepo's house, um, and and uh, you know, now that I met his dog, I'm I'm tempted to uh to, to support him as well. Um, so 
So Maria, uh, let's hear a little more about what it was like with the the players. I mean, as you mentioned, it was kind of uh, bifurcated in that some people it's the biggest tournament of their life and other people it's probably kind of the most dreaded tournament of their life just because of the, the circumstances surrounding COVID. Um, and obviously you've traveled to tons and tons of tournaments, um, seen both the tense moments over the board and the downtime that players have. So what was it like away from the board with everyone tested? Were they able to fraternize at all? Like where was the staff able to go out for drinks? Um, was there like any fun to be had at a tournament like this or is it just too tense? Uh, well, we we did not live there in a bubble. So everyone was uh, free to go outside and uh, the um, uh, restrictions in Russia are much uh, more loose than anywhere else in the world. Well, I have not traveled to many countries, but from what I've heard, uh, for us, it's easier. At least we can travel within the country. We can go to bars, restaurants, to, to the shops. Uh, and of course, players did not do that. And they could also order uh, food to the room if they like, even not go to breakfast or lunch uh, to the restaurant in the hotel. Uh, I know that they did go outside on the rest day. Um, they did go for a walk in the evening, and it's really nice on the riverside because the hotel is very centrally located. Um, for the staff, I cannot say much uh, because from my perspective, it was uh, a, very, a lot of responsibility that uh, that I had, and I honestly was just coming back to the room and just falling asleep. Huh. Um, and in the morning already like 100 calls from different journalists. We had a lot of journalists coming to the tournament and I think that's the most I've seen from all of the candidates that I visited and it was three before that. Uh, so yeah, I I think it was not a problem to go socialize if you wanted to. It just depends on how many duties you have. Uh, I hope that some people had uh, had fun and uh, had a good time. But it sounds like you weren't going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely will have a lot of opportunities once uh, once the world is back to normal. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure your your friend uh, Jan was all business <laughs> under the circumstances. Although I know he said that he was having trouble sleeping, so um, m- might have probably he more stressful for him than anyone else, despite. Uh, the resounding success that that his tournament was. Um, So, Maria, just one more question on the candidates. I mean, obviously, you've been, as you just alluded to, to so many high-profile events um, and just an incredible experience that uh, chess fans like myself and many others would, I'm sure, love to have. Do do you have these, like, pinch-yourself moments? Like, what does it feel like when you're actually at the venue and you see these uh, historical games being, being played up close? Are you able to sort of step back and appreciate that? Or are you too busy with with work responsibilities? Uh, Well, I'm so used to seeing the chess image through my camera that I think whenever I see the moment which uh, makes me feel like that, like catch my breath, um, I just grab a camera and I start, start filming because this is the way for me to show it to the world. And, um, I haven't been able to do much of photography at the first half of the tournament. And also midway, I unfortunately got uh, a bit sick. I got um, some bad food at the hotel at some point. And I even was sent home because uh, the the measures were quite high level. 
and any suspicion of anything that can cause any troubles for for the tournament for the players was taken very seriously, which I think is the best approach. Uh, but that's when I heard that I'm doing the job of more than two people. So uh, they really wanted me to be back. So there was a lot of testing done and I came back. But I did not fail to stream uh, once I had an opportunity at home. And I'm so glad that it was at my home that I could rest and uh, regain my uh, my health back. So then when I was back, that's when I felt the tournament is about to be finished. And this opportunity is not going to be back to my city anytime soon. So then I just took a camera and I honestly spent almost an entire day just taking photos in the playing hall on the round 12. And I I felt like I'm again back in 2010 uh, with, with the camera just... Uh, really absorbing everything and taking 1000 photos a day. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was back to that feeling and I, I hope that people will see this through my images. Some of them will be published soon and uh, some of them I also showed on, on stream. Yeah. Yeah. Maria walks through some of her pictures on her Twitch channel and also uh, lots of pictures on your Instagram, your, your popular Instagram page, right? Yeah. I also have a website, which is the same photochess.com. It was not easy to get that domain. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, I'm I'm updating the selection there. So excellent. Yeah, I check it there. Yeah, check it out. I finally have like a home office, so I'm I'm looking to to order some prints from from you and Leonard Roots and all the other uh, great chess photographers out there. Yeah, um, and I also want to be give a big shout out to Leonard. It's always a pleasure to work with him. Like I know I can always rely on his photos, and he's never never going to miss anything. Uh, so I, whenever I can, I can. I'm always trying to get him to to work together. Yeah, I also he, learn a lot from him. He's extremely talented. Yeah, yeah, another another jack of all trades who seems like a sort of indispensable part of many many tournament staffs. Um, so, Maria, I want to talk a little. I want to get back to what you were saying about your chess career and talk about that and chess improvement. But first, we're going to take a break and hear from Chessable.com. This is your weekly reminder that Chessable.com has a ton of high quality material. Whether you're looking to learn a certain opening, want to see the latest Super GM repertoire that has been published. Want to find a tactics course appropriate for your level? Whatever it may be, go to chessable.com and have a look around. Don't forget they have tons of cool free content too, like their short and sweet courses about various openings. And all of the things that they offer feature their proprietary move trainer technology, the secret sauce that lets you actually remember all of the new chess moves and opening sequences that you learn. So once again, chessable.com, check out their ever-expanding excellent library. And we are back, and Jan Nepomnici's cat gave, gave a little speech in between. It was uh, interesting timing for the break. Um, so, so, Maria, you mentioned you were a strong young chess player and loved it, probably would have pursued it um, more professionally given the opportunities. Um, what, what were your favorite resources? Like, what helped you get to your level um, as, as a young up-and-coming chess player? Um, well, I always... I remember always being uh, quite fond of doing puzzles and 
those watching me on my streams can also notice that uh, I probably do a little bit too much. Uh, hmm. If you ask me as a coach, uh, I, I would probably say that it's a little bit too much. And you also need to do more strategy and other parts of developing yourself as a chess player. Um, I personally always uh, thought that reading books done by the top chess players themselves is the most valuable thing that you can get in in the chess um, literature. Uh, like uh, the games, the best games uh, analyzed by the player himself or like the books by uh, Gary Kasparov, uh, my great predecessors. Because I think alongside with uh, some chess stuff, the analysis of the games, you see all of those stories which really bring um, a lot of uh, inside knowledge. I think this is very important to be interested in the book. Um, so reading reading firsthand uh, uh, experience is something that always was uh, getting me more and more interested in the literature that I was reading. And nowadays, uh, I think I... Uh, I, I can highly recommend the books by Boris Gelfand, um, the decision-making in chess, and especially probably the last one. I, I cannot not mention it, but the, uh, the decision-making in major piece uh, yeah, major endings <laughs> has my photo on the cover. So, <laughs> Oh, awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really uh, admire Boris. He also was a guest on one of my streams <laughs> and there was a funny moment where my cat also was doing a lot of uh, talking suddenly. I think she really likes his voice. Nice, <laughs> and yeah. Boris also has a cat. Oh, cool! Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll get to the cat discussion eventually, since it's a it's a part of your brand. Um, we should mention, by the way, Boris Gelfand's books are amazing, and uh, he's also been on Perpetual Chess. Couldn't like nicest guy in the world, but we should say they're for very strong players, experienced players already. I would say, like at minimum. I would say 2000. I mean, of course, the prose is beautiful. The um, There's things you can learn as a lower rated player and appreciate. And the quality chess books are always beautiful. But the actual chess content is uh, is high level stuff. And also just wanted to give a shout out to Chess Life magazine. They actually had Boris Gelfand write like a, an instructive analysis of Rook Endgames in the newest edition, um, which is just amazing to see in, in that magazine. And of course, it gives a taste of sort of the level of instruction that you'll be encountering. and um, the way that a super grandmaster deconstructs, um, you know, the the love of these highly technical positions that's re required to reach that level. Um, now, Maria, of course, these days you're so busy with other chess um, responsibilities. I'm sure it's um, it can be a challenge to to um, find time to train. But I I do remember when you you started to it seemed at least from my perspective being someone that that follows you on social media like you, you were accelerating your twitch streaming it was gaining popularity um and felt like the, okay this means i should work on my chess um so when that moment came did, were, were you able to make a plan and stick with it and w what did you work on at that time uh, well, of course, uh, in order to make my content more enjoyable, I need to, first of all, enjoy it myself. And when I don't see much of progress, it can be a little bit burning uh, to, to think that I'm doing all the same and nothing really changes. So I really wanted to improve my chess. 
And along with that came some kind of motivation to actually improve as a chess player on paper. So I decided that I will do my best to try and get uh, a higher title in chess, um, which is probably a WIM. Um, and I started working with uh, Elizabeth Petz. Uh, she's mm-hmm. a great coach, uh, and I highly recommend her for anyone of my level to to improve your chess. I've seen her working uh, with a streamer who doesn't have any title and who is uh, a level of a club player. And I'm not sure I can beat him now. Uh, he, she really finds the ways that, first of all, makes you want to study more, does not make you feel um like like there is no progress why am i even doing it uh she always shows uh both mistakes but also showing uh where did did you do well to motivate you um of course it's very crucial to to keep kids motivated because you cannot really explain to them that this is something that you want so you should do that for kids it's much more difficult but even with adults uh it's so many things happening these days that it's so hard to find time and even harder to get motivated. And it's uh, always a pleasure to work with uh, Lizzie. And um, she helped me a lot during the online British championships, which were in December. And that's that was my first, uh, well, I guess you can call it professional tournament since, since it's an official tournament, despite online. Uh, but these days, so many things are happening online, so it's already normal. For me, it was very challenging uh, psychologically and very stressful because the last uh, professional event I played was uh, around 20 years ago. Uh, and I played quite well. I nearly drew against an IM uh, and only lost because I wanted more, which, uh, of course, I was uh, really hitting myself for that but uh, Lizzie said that she's very proud of me because she herself uh, always goes for a draw even even when there is a chance to fight for a win uh, which was one of the ways uh, for her to make me feel uh, like I'm doing something right Um, and I also got a bronze medal in uh, Blitz championship in the same uh, in the same event uh, and had a lot of good games and felt like there is uh, chances for me to improve. That's great. Yeah, and Lizzie has a Lizzie Pates has a great uh, uh, YouTube channel also that listeners should check out. Um, and she's also decon- a streamer. Yeah, and so great deconstruction of chess tactics. Um, and of course, I'll, I'll link to that stuff uh, in the show description. So, um, so that's great to hear that you're having some promising results. And of course, as you mentioned. Um, being uh, now playing under the England flag um, s- potentially could give you some some good opportunities. Um, but I'm curious how that that works, Maria. So w- what was the process of uh, switching federations? Obviously, there's been some higher profile uh, federation switches as well. But what was that process like for you? Oh, well, I was lucky to have made it before the pandem- pandemics hit. Uh, I first thought about it when I was uh, in the Isle of Man, uh, Grand Suisse. Uh, I've been helping Alan, the organizer, for two, three tournaments now. And seeing all of the players, there were a lot of um, 
semi-professional or even non-professional players who only can play because it's a weekend and they come from all over Britain. Uh, there were even Isle of Man players and of course a lot of them are lower, lower level than me. But I could see all this uh, joy in their eyes to play the best players of the world and being in the same playing hall with them. And of course, I always have access to, like, I can, I can literally come and touch Magnus Carlsen, and no one will say a thing. Right. But uh, it's different when you're with a camera. But to sit in front of him and to to be able to play a game, if you are lucky to be paired in the first round, probably I can only hope as much as being paired in the first round. Uh, but I felt like I want to do that. I want to try to get to the Olympiad uh, or at least uh, some tournament of that caliber where I could play in the same tournament with them, not just take photos. Yeah, the Olympiad look, look, always looks like so much fun. Um, and any thoughts of uh, actually, like, would it matter if you relocated to, to Great Britain? Is that like required at all do you have any interest in doing that are you uh, happy where you are in Ekaterinburg well I'm, I do spend quite a lot of time in London these days as well I have friends there and I can stay there uh, I did fulfill the requirements um, for for switching but there is no there, there is no opportunities for me yet to make a full move or even more to get a passport I'm I guess I'm not that famous or uh, <laughs> promising to, to, to get it. Uh, I'd probably be too old for, for that as well. But um, of course, I would love to, to have an opportunity like that. But, oh, hello, anyone who is listening to that <laughs> and has, has a chance to, to think about it. But we'll see. Well, you seem more like one of these people who's more a global citizen than any anything else anyway, especially now that the pandemic hopefully is receding. Like uh, in a typical year, Maria, how much time are you, are you spending on the road? Uh, more than a half. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you get, does it get old for you or you still love every moment? Uh, of course, I, I tend to become a bit bored from certain places which I visited too many times and nothing changes um, and of course the quality of the tournament also matters uh, but I always find uh, the new angles that I could find in my photography depending on the place, depending on uh, the players, on the tournament um, it's just a matter of combining streaming and photography these days, which uh, makes me have to choose whether to go to this event or that event. And uh, of course, uh, it is it is a pity that I have to sometimes uh, skip the tournaments I always loved. Uh, but having the opportunity to be able to skip rather than the otherwise is great. Uh, because when I started... It was all about raising my profile and becoming someone in chess right. photography. And it was always very difficult. And um, the the major switch, it was in 2016 when I first worked with chess.com during the New York match. And it was the first time that a chess photographer was hired by um, a server by a chess server to provide exclusive visual content 
there was always people who were hired to write, um, to um, to provide commentary, but photography was always kind of on the back of uh, of the head of uh, organizers or of um, uh, like journalists that that you can always find some pictures. I can always uh, like send someone or just buy pictures from someone, but to hire someone and to pay for their recommendation and uh, the flights, uh, that was quite a big uh, breakthrough. I felt like um, I can be a little bit responsible for the better life of the chess photographers out there since then. And then I got a job at chess.com. And of course, then it all changed for me tremendously because I didn't have to survive anymore as, Mm -hmm. uh, as a freelancer. And uh, I'm super grateful to Chess.com for giving me this opportunity, for believing in me. And since then, yeah, I've been working with Chess.com. And then also they encouraged me to start streaming. And that was also easier to do, to start without knowing how it will turn out, uh, knowing that I I always have, uh, they always have my back. Yeah, yeah. And the the news coverage and photography coverage, as you allude to in particular, I know that like, if uh, if chess.com wanted to make like, and obviously, they're, you know, they have tons of fans, but they also have some detractors. Um, And a lot of people, I think, don't necessarily appreciate that the the stuff like covering the news is not um, um, economically um, beneficial, necessarily for chess.com. But they invest in that because it makes the chess world a better space to have um, high quality writing and high quality photographers at these these events, um, and it gives people like you um, and Peter Doggers and and so many others um, opportunities uh, to to make a living in the chess world. So it, it is great to see. And and Maria, I do want to talk about the sort of the evolution of your Twitch streaming. But first, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors, AimChess.com. Not every chess player has a janitor to help them improve at chess like Beth Harmon did. For those of you who don't, there is aimchess.com. Aimchess has a web-based algorithm that collects and analyzes your games from chess.com or LeeChess, and then it creates personalized study plans based on your weaknesses to help you improve. It might highlight specific openings to work on, tell you to tighten up your tactics, or in my case, tell me to manage my time better. Then it gives you puzzles and advice with the goal of helping you improve your chest faster. You can check out Aim Chess for free. And then if you decide to subscribe, please use the promo code CHESS30 to save 30%. That's CHESS30. The details are also in the show notes. So for now, let's get back to the interview. So Maria, you've, I'm sure you have a lot of advice you could impart to anyone interested in breaking into the chess industry in many facets, because as we've, we've alluded to, you've, you have many talents and you've managed to sort of uh, derive income from working in various capacities. But, but let's focus on your, your Twitch streaming at the moment. So um, you're up to close to 10,000 followers, right? Uh, actually, I'm, I have crossed 10,000 in March, and I'm now at 12,000 and a half. Okay. Shoddy research on my part. I apologize. But, uh, but congratulations. That's, that's awesome to <laughs> Thank hear. You. Um, so so uh, what has that been like? Like, what were the beginning days like? Did you feel like you gained a foothold right away? Or were there moments where you felt like uh, it, it wasn't necessarily going to go anywhere? 
Well, I sometimes, even now, I feel sometimes that um, I'm not sure if I should continue that. And I, there, of course, uh, streaming is never um, stable. You can have really good days, you can have really bad days, and uh, it can burn you out, especially if you consider it your main income. Only a handful of streamers in the world can can really call themselves uh, making enough of living from streaming, and they would never change their career. But even they might think, what will be there in 10 years? What if uh, people start stop watching me? What if something changes in my life and I cannot keep doing it? What if there is no Twitch, for example? We don't know that. So streaming was always, for me, um, just a hobby, just a way to showcase myself as a photographer, as a coach. I also got a feeder license as a coach. Uh, so I could also like advertise myself through Twitch. Um, and there were moments where I was thinking, Maybe I should stop it because photography is something that um, is that it's actually my main job and I should maybe focus in growing there more. Um, but there were more and more people who were um, getting to me saying uh, thank you for helping them during the pandemics, that they found my channel and they... Uh, that it really helped them to stay sort of sane. And uh, also, which probably is the, the most important thing, they say, I sparked love for chess and for learning chess with my streams. And um, I never really thought about myself this way. I was just doing what I like to do on stream, chatting, uh, playing chess, solving puzzles, talking about my travels, um, the cats. <laughs> get, getting getting treats for the cats, yes. <laughs> um, even having cat cameras sometimes and feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm just a goofy streamer and uh, nothing serious is going on here. I'm not a grandmaster. I'm not going to uh, change your perception in chess entirely, but I always try to give advices to people. Um, and having more and more of such feedback, uh, I felt like I cannot really uh, just stop streaming. It's my responsibility now to to be to be there for them. Maybe not every day, maybe not uh, as often as uh, it was during the pandemics, but I will always try to get uh, them updated always will try to bring some new photos and uh, show how the chess world is there from my eyes uh, which not many people obviously can can do yeah i mean especially with the opportunity to see all these tournaments up close when obviously that has the potential to accelerate uh with the pandemic potentially ending um so that in that in particular is just like a very very unique thing um and and maria obviously in the past year the chess has grown in popularity due in no small part to to queen's gambit so as as a female streamer do do you see sort of did you see growth in your channel and a lot of people popping in because of uh queen's gambit uh, I cannot say that it made a very big impact on my stream I feel like um 
the biggest impact was on the bigger channels because they are already in a spotlight and it's easier. I think most people were watching on YouTube, uh, were searching on YouTube uh, because it's just more known place uh, for searching and it shows uh, on the general search uh, first when you Google like how to play chess, what is Queen's Gambit, how to move uh, your knight. Uh, you will get the YouTube videos first, which is simply not searchable this way. And I think the bigger content creators out there on, on YouTube uh, benefited the most from this boom. Uh, but of course, it's not a zero-sum game. And I was getting some growth. And uh, again, shout out to the Chess.com partnership program, which also helped uh, being more... Uh, promoted on Twitch, uh, which also helped from day one uh, of streaming, but of course uh, still had to work a lot on my uh, content, on trying to connect different uh, social medias, and I'm still bad at it because I don't have enough time, and sometimes I can just get uh, distracted and forget that I need to post it here and there, and I feel like I need to have an assistant. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But of course, uh, it, it 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 did help a lot of us, and if it helps one, it also helps the other. That's I'm glad that it helped. Although I, I have to say, I'm a little surprised it wasn't like a a bigger boom. But maybe maybe that's still to come. And for any any women that that did discover chess in the last year, like uh, adult women in particular, who maybe say, "Okay, I just discovered chess. I love it." But obviously, if you discover chess as like a 35-year-old, um, your your odds of becoming a grandmaster are pretty slim. Um, what advice would you give for someone who discovered chess and loved it and is thinking of uh, trying to trying to work in the field somehow, so as someone who works in the field in almost, almost every capacity? Uh, well, I think you first of all need to decide what exactly do you want to get from it. Uh, do you want to just be... Uh, good enough to play in your neighborhood, uh, to go and beat some people in your local club? Uh, do you want to prove something to your family or friends? Or do you want to really become um, famous in your country? Um, and then you need to think, how how achievable is that? And well, you you need to just decide whether you are ready to invest a certain amount of hours weekly, monthly, and over the course of few years, if you are ready to dedicate so much time. Basically, like with learning a new language, uh, do you want to just be able to chat to a waiter at the restaurant when you travel, or do you want to become... Uh, fluently speaking, and here you probably will think, oh, I'm not really ready to to study so much, like two, three hours a day. And a professional chess player can spend six to eight hours working on chess a day, and it's not just watching streams. You will not become <laughs> better by just watching streams. You will have to sit with a chess board and study, and I can say I'm too lazy for that myself. Uh, so I don't want to put the people's hopes down, but I think it's better to decide at the beginning uh, before you get um, 
discouraged by thinking, oh, I, I invested so much time and there is no profit because it's not going to come easily and quickly. Uh, this sport is um, not as easy to understand as uh, more popular sports like football. Um, but if you become good at it, it is going to be with you for a very long time, basically all your life. So it's a long-term investment, uh, but it requires a lot of hours and work, very hard work. Yeah, that that's great advice. And I'm in, I'm in the same boat as, as you, Maria. I, I enjoy studying chess and like when things are going well, I can put in about an hour a day. But but once it gets past that threshold for me, it's um first of all, I'm just constrained by time, but um, I mean, obviously that's the main obstacle, but, but it's, it's just hard work. I mean, it's just a lot of concentration if you're studying the right way. Um, but what about, what about the other fields, like the other entry points into chess, whether it be Twitch streaming or, or journalism or whatever it might be? Do you see, do you see any opportunities for, for people to break into sort of the chess world that way? And, and what advice would, would you give people? Uh, well, with streaming, um, of course, Streaming always can become uh, successful uh, for you. You will need to invest something in the hardware, in some equipment. Um, I would not think that uh, having the best microphone or the best camera will definitely make your stream standing out. Uh, it's more about the personality and uh, the different content you can bring on. Um you can definitely try, but I would just advise to never consider it as something that will bring you enough uh, income. It should be a hobby and you should first of all enjoy it. Because if you don't, if you if you are there just expecting that it will just click for you and everything will become amazing, it's not going to happen. The more you expect, the more you will burn yourself out. Um, you can definitely try. Uh, there there has been uh, a number of streamers who came to Twitch not knowing anything about chess, and they improved a lot. Like, for example, Mr. Yama. I definitely recommend uh, checking his uh, stream. Uh, he, um, yeah, I will give you the link which you can include. Yes, can you want. say the name again? Uh, it's Mr. Yama SC. So first he was he was playing more of um, StarCraft and now he is world known as Diablo, Diablo player. Uh, and he came to chess a year ago, a little less than a year ago. And he was actually also working with Lizzie as, as his coach, uh, which one might think uh, like an overkill for, uh, <laughs> for a beginner. But actually, uh, out of like five games we played, I sometimes lose uh, two of them or at least one. Uh, he's very resourceful. He's quite wow. aggressive and he learned a lot. And recently uh, um, he, he was um, in the final of the hand and brain uh, Twitch rivals where I also participated and I got eliminated uh, sooner than him. And he also played the Bullet Championship on uh, Bota's live channel and came second. Uh, so that's an example of someone who was hardworking and uh, was really invested into the game and studying basically every day and just coming to my stream and just challenging me 
just I want to play. I want to lose to you, but I want to learn. And that's the right approach. And if you guys want to uh, improve yourself and you need motivation, just speak to Alex. And uh, I'm I'm sure he will uh, share some of uh, his love to the game with you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, shout, shout out to Alex. Yeah. And definitely give me his info. I'll have to check it out. Um, so that, some some great advice there. And obviously, um, I've interviewed uh, people like uh, Amon Hamilton and, and Levy Roseman. And for, for all of their success, they basically say the same thing. You you kind of have to expect that no one will be watching and, um, you know, then hope for the best um, when it comes to Twitch streaming. And obviously, um, as we've discussed with uh, Maria's work in journalism, that can be... Um, you know, you're you're signing up for a life as a freelancer. So uh, hopefully, you can you can um, make some money here and there. But it's still tough as a career for for all of this, despite all of the recent success in the chess world. But we're hoping to continue to hashtag grow the game and uh, and change that in in the coming years. Um, so the last topic I had in mind, Maria, is um, of course you're you're friendly with all these these giants of the game, and you know you've you've traveled with them so I, I was hoping to catch a few of your favorite stories from like all of your time um on the road with uh with all of these um these giants of the industry uh, well then i of course should first start from the story where it all began um how i became a photographer that's also a story in itself um i did tell this story a couple of times on my streams but of course we're not going to dig into my archives and um, I always have different stories that I can randomly share it's nothing it's not like I have a list of them that I uh, always go go through and tell them it just comes naturally Uh, but that story I particularly enjoy so I was planning to go to the Kantemansiysk Olympiad in 2010 on my own, just to watch, because Hantumansisk is pretty close to my city. But then I realized how far is it actually if you need to get there by transport, because uh, I could not afford a flight. That's how long it was ago. I could not really fly. I was yeah. living in Moscow back then as a student. Um, so I decided to go by train from home and then take a bus. And then uh, I think there is also a car you have to hire. Uh, and I was planning to take my simple camera. It was just like Panasonic Lumix, uh, not the fancy nowadays one, but just some really small uh, one megapixel camera. And one month before the tournament, it was stolen. I was oh, at, the, at the party and uh, it was stolen. I still wanted to go to the tournament just to watch uh but i was like i I still need to do something i cannot just uh, walk around doing nothing and uh my good friend uh the player alexander motolov with whom we actually shared a coach for a couple of years he's also from yekaterinburg uh he got invited to play for team three of russia uh, since uh is a host so we can have more teams than one and he said, you can borrow my camera. And he, he is quite professional chess player. Uh, and he's also a professional photographer and mm-hmm. uh, always had a lot of lenses. And I was always impressed how, how much he's into photography when he has not only a chess career, but also a chess coach career as a national uh, 
team coach um, of Russia. Uh, so he said, you can just borrow my entire equipment, uh, but just take a couple of pictures of me in return, but you can just keep it for the entire tournament. And I was like, wow, uh, that's a lot of trust. Uh, and he gave it to me before the start, a uh, few days before. And I went to the press conference, which was hosted in Moscow um, with uh, the governor and uh, Ugra region people and Kirsan um, Lubzhinov, the president back then. Um, so when I was there with this camera, turns out at the same moment, one of the uh, team members who was supposed to go from the FIDE side to work at the Olympia just uh, withdrew due to some personal reasons. And they saw me with this camera and they said, oh, okay, are you free during the Olympia? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm planning to go. Uh, when are you going? I'm, well, I'm going by train and then bus. And they're like, okay, forget about it. Just forget about your tickets. You're going with us by private jet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I had an accommodation. I I did fly there and they gave me a job. And I also got enough money at the end to buy my own camera. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> That's the story that how story. it all started, which of course wasn't planned at all. And then I went to another tournament in in Moscow. Well, of course, the good thing for me was that Russia can offer you a lot of high-quality tournaments where you can practice without needing to fly each time because that is very expensive. Uh, so I did practice. I did not go to any courses back then. I was just figuring out everything myself, just uh, testing and learning, forgetting the... Uh, memory card and taking photos not knowing I, it's not being saved then hmm. something is broken then i forgot to change the lens and it's wrong lens and yeah a lot of uh, ups and downs but uh, i learned enough to realize that i really love it and then i went to study in moscow state university for photojournalism um, graduating uh, just one week after the tournament I went to, so I didn't really have much time to, to write the final piece. Uh, it was on manipulation in photography, which was also quite an interesting topic to, to, to learn and then to also think about my perspective on taking and editing photos. So I think I have my own style uh, quite different from other photographers, uh, which I developed during that uh, education. Uh, so yeah, my life was around photography for nearly, nearly ten years. That that's an amazing story. So, first of all, now that you've you've put in all this time, you figured out uh, things like what what makes a good chess photograph. You've taken classes, so. What what do you look for in an image when you're trying to capture a moment at a chess tournament? What do, what do you think? Um, what what do you think makes for a good image? Uh, well, from the start, I was always looking into emotional side of the image um, because obviously chess is quite a static sport. If you look from a human perspective, you don't have like uh, balls flying around. You don't have um, um, any any big objects or fast-moving uh, athletes. But what quickly changes is the face. 
the emotions, the expressions on the face. And that's why when I was uh, getting my first lens, I actually went for a telephoto lens, which is very unorthodox uh, decision for a photographer who just starts to not to go for a just general zoom, uh, all ranges, quite uh, multiple use. With telephoto lens, with just one lens, I could only afford one. I had to really go backwards a lot uh, in many places just to take a photo of two players shaking hands because uh, this lens uh, is so zoomed uh, on on the image. Uh, but it helped me to see more emotions and to if actually at the beginning uh, I was not even photo chess. My nickname was Chess Emotions. I was uh, really into this. Uh, perspective of the photography really looking for emotions and I think it's still uh, a large part of what I'm trying to capture in in the chess uh, tournaments Uh, of course the moment is very important the important handshakes the someone just rushing off the board because he lost or Magnus uh, leaving the press conference in frustration in New York that image was uh, circulating a lot uh, in the in the press uh, because it's quite quite an unusual moment where he does not he, he didn't wait for the press conference to even start and just ran off. Um, some moments like that, or the shorts of a player when he's being kicked <laughs> out of the playing hole. Uh, <laughs> That's a classic, yeah. Uh, and it's of course uh, also a lot of a lot luck a lot of luck that you have to have to not to leave the playing hole before something happens uh, because you normally take first five minutes and then you go to edit your photos. But often I stay for longer, not really knowing what am I looking for or waiting for, but quite often something happens. And it only happens when you are ready and somewhat waiting for something, but also knowing the... um, the specifics of the tournament, like the World Cup, like the Olympiad, uh, expecting things which you've seen before, but also sometimes predicting something. Um, so, yeah, I think it's emotions, it's a moment, and it's a personality also. Knowing the players also helps to uh, expect their reactions in specific situations. And of course, you need to understand what's happening on the board in order to um, right. to expect that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, don't have stockfish right there in front of you. Um, <laughs> so, do do you have a favorite player or players to photograph? Oh, that this question happens so many times on my stream, and I never really know how to reply. Um, but now you've got it figured out, right? <laughs> I have to figure it out. Um, <laughs> Obviously, the strongest chess players, the most famous chess players, are always uh, very um, anticipated by the magazines, by the media, which uh, ends up my final client, um, including chess.com. And there, I, I love the challenge of trying to capture something new that I have not seen before in photography of these players, uh, some specific emotion or specific uh, 
handshake on the game that teaches some really uh, interesting move or something. And sometimes I have to even have the specific image in my head already of what I want to achieve with this specific player. Um, then, of course, we have such expressive players like Anton Korobov, who provided <laughs> one of the best images I've ever captured. Um, you probably have seen that. A lot of people call it uh, crazy. Uh, yeah, it's crazy hair in the picture, right? Yeah, and some people also suspected it to be staged, but uh, it certainly <laughs> is not. And even even more, it was captured from a very large distance. He did not even see me. It's taken with a telephoto lens, which I which is still to these days my favorite uh, lens. Um, and of course, Hikaru Nakamura and Jan Nepomnesi, they always have fantastic uh, expressions. But on the other hand, when you have so many expressions happening, uh, you kind of get bored of that and you really want to to have this challenge to try to find emotion on the face which doesn't normally have emotions. Um, I will not say the specific names, but uh, some players always kind of look the same. And it's especially um, like makes me makes me happy to capture right, something catch. and it's yeah. sometimes just a split second that it happens for but i can name well magnus carlsen is always uh the player i love to take photos of uh, vladimir kramnik is one of my favorite chess players personalities and also um, the models to to take photos of uh jan nepomnishi as well is a great uh great player and of course, Alexander Grishuk. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> he he always uh, he's both a meme material and a great personality. Always uh, a pleasure to talk to, and yeah, his photos are always very welcomed on my stream. And of course, my um, viewers are always uh, giving me more ideas, and I can always only always can see which players they like the most. So I start moving in that direction more because uh, I want to make them happy. And they also show like what the majority probably of the chess fans like because they, they are a lot. So I I can also adjust my uh, photos depending on that, which which helps because sometimes I don't know whether this player or that player is more interesting and I cannot know what will happen, which which one will come as a, uh, some big upset. So I need to have some guidance. So my viewers are the guidance for me these days. Excellent. Yeah, good, good to listen to your audience. And last but not least, Maria, as we promised, we've got to discuss your cat. So... <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I should know, but as I've as I told you offline, I don't I don't get to watch a ton of streams. I've seen some of your highlights, but mainly follow you on social media. So first of all, what's the cat's name, and uh, how are we going to make it a star like uh, Agadmater's dog? <laughs> well, uh, we would need to make five stars then, because I have five cats and five cats. Wow! <laughs> and the cats, uh, they all have very different personalities, and of course, my viewers also have their favorites. Uh, the black one is called Belka, and uh, in Russian it means squirrel because she has a huge uh, tail, quite fluffy. Uh, she has a lot of fans. Um, <laughs> she's not the easiest to deal with, but uh, I mean, 
the star the star always looks uh, bright but uh, you don't know what's behind that that person <laughs> right behind right behind the camera that's me to deal with uh, then another star is Shashka she is white and black spots uh, she's the, the largest in size and also <laughs> the most demanding in terms of food and they always <laughs> joke that she's going to eat the streamer one day maybe that will happen um then we have uh musia who that cat i can tell you she helped me winning the blitz uh the, the third tile place in the blitz championship uh i started with four out of four and then i lost three games in a row and i was nearly quitting the tournament because I, I just started tilting and I really wanted just to close the computer and go to sleep because the time was also like 1 a.m. for me because of the time difference uh, with London. Uh, and then she just jumped on my lap and made me hug her just to, to sit like that. I ended up playing with her, uh, being hmm. uh, on my, uh, just me holding her like a baby with one hand and playing with another. And I was just, just was relaxed and I was just like, okay, I will just finish this tournament and go to sleep. And yeah, I ended up uh, coming third and I was, uh, I realized that this cat helped me. She just felt that I need this emotional support. And <laughs> That's uh, the kind of chess study hack we need. Forget, forget all the books and the, the tactics. Yeah. And she also did it a few more times when I was just playing on stream and I started uh, because tilt can come to you at any moment uh, right. when you least expect it. So then the cat comes to, to rescue me from that. Um, and uh, then we have Jesse, who is uh, my favorite um, in, uh, in, in just personality. She's, she's really easy cat. Uh, but all my cats are rescued. Um, oh, that's great. And uh, a lot of, like, all of them have uh, quite difficult um, destinies that they had. And all the stories, uh, it's it's the, just the material for another big stream to, talk, to tell the stories of each cat. Um, <laughs> and uh, also the, the one that has a little bit of obesity, uh, is Lucia, and she almost never shows up on stream. Uh, but when she does, she everyone everyone is just so happy to see her because she is such a uh, seldom visitor. Um, yeah, I of course I always miss them when I'm away. My mom is taking care of them, um, but I I can tell to anyone that if you are considering to have a cat or a dog. I re really recommend to adopt because yeah. those uh, animals are the most uh, grateful. Yeah. Even if it's a cat, even if they are very independent and very uh, unpredictable and can eat your plants or to other stuff that maybe we probably should not talk about, but uh, <laughs> they are still very grateful. You can feel that and they will bring you a lot of joy. And you will also make good do a good thing by adopting. Excellent. Yeah, um, I strongly agree. I'm, my family has been wanting to adopt a dog. We just found out my daughter's allergic, so I don't know what's going to happen. But anyway, probably enough pet talk um, for one chess podcast. But um, but Maria, it's been great uh, getting to know you more. Um, people should check out photochess.com. Your Instagram is um, 
super popular with some great photos. You're on Twitter. Um, anywhere else that, that people should look for you? Chess.com, of course. Um, yeah, chess.com, my website, and of course, New in Chess uh, magazine posted a lot of photos, uh, published a lot of my photos, including the covers. Um, American Chess magazine, um, I, I am a proud owner of the very first uh, edition uh, with my photo of the American team of the Baku Olympiad, uh, the winning team on the cover. Um, sometimes you can see me on Reddit. Actually, I once was um, quite high on on uh, Reddit most popular um, posts. I made it to the uh, Photoshop challenge. So sometimes when I'm doing photography, I also look for some funny images, just something that just suddenly comes to your head. So at Leuven Grunches Tour, the players got... Uh, the plates, like silver plates, like in tennis, um, as uh, cups. So when Maurice Ashley was uh, delivering this plate and the speech, I tried to take a photo of his reflection in this plate, uh, which was held by Magnus. And I also noticed that Leonard was trying to do the same image. Somehow I managed to, to take a better one. And... Once it was uh, published on chess.com on the article of the final article of that event, uh, overnight uh, I got like 30,000 likes on that post uh, on Photoshop challenge. And some of that Photoshop um, posts were great. If you want to find the link, you can use my uh, stream chat and just use a comment Reddit and you'll instantly get the link to that uh, post. Uh, yeah, that post, they were hilarious. My favorite is Jaconda. Uh, so on this Jaconda um, photo, which they edited from mine, uh, everyone had uh, the cell phones taking the photo of this uh, uh, masterpiece. And all of the cell phones had a little image photoshopped on their screens <laughs> and that that was was just amazing uh how that person made this photoshop um but yeah maybe i will do more uh more photos like that that could be circulating on reddit as well why not Excellent. Uh, and then of course instagram i also made uh now a second instagram just for my cats <laughs> uh, I'm trying to update it, but uh, I wasn't as good with, with just one Instagram, let alone with two, but <laughs> it's a long process. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we will link to all this stuff, including the uh, photo challenge. And, and Maria, thanks so much. It's been uh, been great hearing your stories and uh, definitely recommend uh, listeners check out your, your, photo and your photos and your Twitch stream. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for having me. Thanks, as always, to my producer, Matthew Passy. Thanks to you all for listening. And thanks to those of you who help spread the word, whether it be positive reviews on podcast platforms, telling friends, social media, all that stuff helps get the word out and it is much appreciated. 
By the way, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at BennyFischel1. You can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group to continue the conversation, sometimes even with that week's guests. The Perpetual Chess Instagram page is back in action as well at Perpetual Chess. And you can also find all these links on the Perpetual Chess webpage, perpetualchesspod.com. But of course, the main purpose of these closing credits is to thank everyone who supports Perpetual Chess financially. Without you all, we would not be able to put out such a consistent and hopefully quality product. So thanks so much. It really means the world to me. And in particular, I would like to give thanks to the following people and entities, starting off with my friends at chessable.com. Aside from that, I would like to thank David Lazarus of lasmanchess.com. He is the coach of Dave's Young Tigers on Lee Chess, our friends at Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Abysmal Depths of Chess blog, Adapta Interactive Web Designs and Services, the Apprend Chess Twitch channel, Anidi Deer, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, the Charlotte Chess Center, the Chess Central's Chess blog, chessmood.com, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel He, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Eric Tam, Ewan Richardson, Farhan Thawar, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Glenn Downing, Greg Harfst, Greg Shahadi, Gregory Gullick, Guvin Manet, James Holyhead, James Kennedy, Jeff Martinson, Jens Green, Jeremy Nielsen, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Mac- MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Selt, the King's Crusher YouTube channel, one of the original chess YouTube channels, Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, Matthew Feeney, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Mr. Mike Shahadi, the legendary Mr. Dodgy, the Nerd Nays Twitch channel, GM Peter Prohaska, Peter Sodhi, the Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Reverend Roy Fry, the Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Sven Gearson, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryant of Strong Chess, Todd Kennedy, the Vintage Patsers, which is a chess.com improver group. You can look them up. Wayne Beam, William Hogarth, and I also would like to thank Aaron Waffler, Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Al Hastings, Alan and Maggie Sue, Alex Pejas, Alexander Markovics, Antonio Cancino, FM Andre Tarakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Angus McLeod, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Bill Trammell, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Chase, Brian Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Cameron Davis, Chad Hilton, Chess Potzer Spain, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, also known as Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Corey Butson, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Bleskacek, David Brown, David Hamblin, David Cramley, Dalen Shelton, Dennis Parrish, Dirk Decker, FM Donnie Ariel, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ed Mead, Emmanuel Langual, Robitaille, Ethan Smith, Hallelujah Cat, 
Ian Mason, Fide Arbiter, Arbiter, Arbiter excuse me, Felipe Melo Perdera, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Letart Lavoie, Frank Tor- Dr. Frank Tortoris, Frank Zanani, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Gautam Narula, Geert Vandervelde, Gene Stewart, George Harris, Giovanni Russo, Han Shoot, Harish Srinivasan, Howard Vihan, Jacob Kovac, Jason Apollo, Jason Murray, Jacques Pari, James Aspinwall, James Benastia, James Muir, Jason Woolham, Jadeep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Hoyland, Jerry Wells, Jesse Dacumos, Jesse McNulty, Jim Ratliff, Joe DeSano, Joe Valdez, Joel Thomas Ramos, John Tooley, Juan Almaguar, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman of U.S. Chess, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, John Quist, John Tully, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, GM Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, I am Kostya Kovutsky of the Chess Dojo, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Cook, Larry Ryforth, Laura Belyovsky, Macaulay Peterson, Mark Fitzpatrick, Mark Miller, Mark Wilkins, Marco Bulatovich, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, Matthias Plock, Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Gobel, Nate Solon, Neil Bruce, Nigmat Malijanov, Nicholas Isabel, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Queenside Management Limited in Switzerland, Randy Temple, Ricky Grahava, Richard Hallenbach, Richard Tucker, Robert Callahan, Robert Tichi, Robert Turner, Rory Coleman, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott McKinnon, Scott Shepard, Sean Krauss, Sebastian Finsterwater, Walter, Sergey Magacon, Seth Ruzicka, Shane Unger, Silver Knights in Richmond, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatyav Abrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, FM Timothy Wall, Tom Edsel, Tomas Komanich, Tony Rattel, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William Brock, William Peterson, FM Zhao Chang of Chess1000.com, and last but never least, Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will catch you all next week. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.